Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 149. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Lee's Comics. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by popoptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Will Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One, by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Alvin and the Chipmunks are here again. In 1958, a down songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family savings on a multi-speed tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. It changed the fortune for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian, Liberty Records, Format Film, and The Alvin Show by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions is available from Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. You can now order my latest book, The TTV Scrapbook, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. If you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books, please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I'm currently working on a Dino Writers article for Back Issue Magazine and, of course, the Mad and Turtles books. My next book should be the Pac-Man book I turned in earlier this year. 
It should be out sometime in 2022. On today's show, we have the youngest guest we've ever had on the show, but he is very knowledgeable about the Beatles and even hosts his own Beatles podcast. Here he is, Hudson Ranny. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with Fun Ideas Podcast, and here we go with another great episode with our special guest, Hudson Rennie, who, at the age of, what, 13? You're like the 14. biggest Beatle. 14 now. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> You're like the biggest Beatle fan in the world, and it's like, you know, well, I was a Beatle fan at 13, too, uh, so, and earlier, so uh, I can relate, you know. <laughs> But but now I'm 55, and so I'm like, <laughs> too long. <laughs> anyway, tell, welcome to the show. Tell me about yourself and how you became a Beatles fan at such a young age, but not only just a Beatles fan. I mean, like, knowledgeable. I mean, you know the solo albums. You have a, your own podcast and all that. How, 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 why, why, why? Okay, so, well, my, like, history with music it starts back with a cassette tape of the Beach Boys' Endless Summer. In my dad's car, I fell like in love with the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys were my first love. I've actually never told this story, so you get like the first scoop. <laughs> and then um, my grandfather, this was like in 2012 when those iPod nanos, like the last generation came out. Um, <laughs> so, but it was like the cool thing at the time. Um, and uh, he had the uh, Sounds of Summer album and Johnny Cash's super hits. And I, that's how I became a Beach Boys fan. And that's how I became a Johnny Cash fan. Those were like my two first, first loves of music. And then in 2000, uh, I want to say 15, really into the music, um, my grandfather got me a record player. And in that stack was, I love politics, and it was like the presidential inauguration, like music on a record. Um, I I listened to it the other day and it's a good it's a good album but um, uh, Johnny Cash Mean as Hell without the jacket it was in like the wrong cover and John Lennon's Imagine so it all started with the uh, solo years and um, I played uh, what's it called I played Imagine first and I fell in love a year later, I got Pepper, and then I got the White Album, and then I kept, and then I remember Egypt Station came out. That was when my solo fandom exploded, I would say. I'd gotten all the Beatles albums, like all the Capitol albums on vinyl, and then I just would stream the other ones because, I'll be honest, I live in Vermont, which has far and few record stores um and uh being in the middle of nowhere of vermont little in windsor county i mean record stores were still hard to come by but with online i've kind of just accumulated and vinyl is my primary music source unless i'm away i'll be honest and 
like the first um the first solo album other than imagine that i got i want to say i want to say it was back to the egg actually which we might be talking about in a little bit um you know what's funny I'll interrupt so far is like your the order you listen to the albums actually parallels mine, except for Egypt Station isn't in the equation because it didn't exist. But we're yeah. talking late seventies, okay? So <laughs> seventy eight, seventy nine, that's about that. Well I became a fan in seventy seven, so seventy eight and seventy nine when these things started coming out, that was exciting. Yeah. I'll be honest, I did not get Ringo's album in twenty nineteen because I'm not the biggest fan of Ringo's work post Mark Hudson era, which we might have to talk about. And um, it's then McCartney three came out and with the pandemic, I, I'd known that I had done, wanted to do something to express my fandom. I had known that, but I wasn't sure what to do yet. And I knew I had to do something. And so, beginning of January 2021, I decided I'm going to do a podcast. I'm the only young person doing this at the time. It's under 18, I think. Um, uh, What was I going to say? I had listened to a lot of other podcasts. um, Things We Said Today. The Fab Four Free for All, Fab Forum, the original Fab Forum, not the Sirius XM Fab Fab Forum. Um, I was gonna say, well, everybody's are the serious version, but yeah, I get podcasts. The, the, <laughs> the better Fab Forum, um, right? <laughs> no, I've heard episodes of that too. I, guess, so. I just don't have Sirius, so I can't really compare. I've heard both. Um, yeah, um, the, the podcast. Is- <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and uh, what was I gonna say? And like BC Beatles with Erica White and Allison Boron, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "There's all these different perspectives, but where's the kid that heard the solo music first? And I decided I've got to do this. So I was like, "Yeah, I've got." Like, and I don't have the world's best equipment. I mean, my computer is 13 years old. <laughs> it's almost as old as me. <laughs> and I decided, yeah, let's do this. So I recorded my first episode with Audacity with, like, just my, like, webcam microphone. And that will just say that the, like, first 10 episodes of my show don't exist because of how bad the quality they were. <laughs> you can hear, like, the neighbor yelling in the background. Like, it, they don't exist. But um, I want... My first guest was... Um, I think it was Kid O'Toole talking about Walls and Bridges. Then I also talked to... And right around that time, I also got um, Lawrence Juber, who you may have heard of. Yes. Uh, um, and, and Denny Sewell. So, like, 
I was on top of the world, then, <laughs> yeah, and I've talked to a lot of really interesting people. I've got somebody really cool in the works that might happen. I can't say anything on camera, but um, I've talked to Brian Ray McCartney's guitarist, which was pretty exclusive because he's the only, he's the first person to really give an interview from Paul's band on a podcast. Um, I got called a journalist, which I was like very flattered by that. Um, I've lived the dream when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> and it, it's so weird because had all this stuff existed when I was your age, I'd probably be doing the exact same thing. It took me forever to do this, because, but I did get a degree in broadcasting and worked in television and worked in radio <laughs> and all sorts of things. But yeah, it's like the accessibility was a lot harder back then. Now it's, it's going to say, how did you land some of these people? Was it just going on Facebook or through word of mouth? or? Well, so I'll say that with Lawrence, um, I can't say this person's name, but somebody just gave me an email address direct to him. Three minutes later, hey Hudson, when do you want to do the interview? Wow, (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) Um, All the best, LJ. (laughs) I'll have to check that one out because I did look at your uh, episode list. It's called I Know I Know, right? Yes. And uh, I um, looked at the episode list and said, wow, how does he get all these guests? But I haven't actually sat down and listened to a bunch of them, but I want to because... So did they play in everything, uh, Lawrence or Denny? Um, wait, can you repeat your question? Did, did, did they play? Like, did they take out their guitar or... Oh, yes. Yeah. Lauren, play Lawrence played podcast? a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. I need to go back and fix the audio of that because <laughs> this was before I got, like, an actual mic, yeah. and I was using the laptop mic. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and then Denny, it was just through his website. I think I heard back a day later, and he was like, you free tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) It's funny. I think that, you know, the pandemic, actually, that's one of the benefits of it, like it or not, is that a lot of people, especially musicians, aren't terribly busy, (laughs) you know? Especially at the beginning of it, you know, now things are kind of opening up a little bit. But, and so they were more willing to talk to people about what they do and stuff like that. I think you're kind of a novelty and stuff like that. If you do, it, like, do you tell people, you know, your background and everything uh, to get them on the show or what do you do? At first I didn't. Oh, okay. But, like, if I get... But, like, I was like, oh, maybe they'll turn me down if I don't say that. I kind of use my age as an advantage. Yeah, well, hey, go for it. That's what I was, that's what I was driving at. I was saying, you tell people I'm, like, the youngest podcaster ever who's a Beatles fan. It's not true completely, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think you're the youngest guest on this podcast. And I mentioned that guy named Camden. He's pretty young, but you're definitely younger. No problem if you can communicate. You're you're fine by me, and you know your needle <laughs> shit. So there you go. Yeah. Um, um. So that was the basic thing I wanted to 
get out of the way is just who you are because I do that on every podcast. But, you know, when I was on yours, because this is kind of like a part two, I was on an episode of I Know, I Know, but it kind of devolved from talking about what happened 50 years ago in 1972 to kind of more of what our likes and dislikes are. And I thought about that and I said, you know, let, we can continue on with that discussion because I kind of gave you mine, but you didn't give yours. And we can get into some spirited debates if uh, uh, you come up with something that I think is awful or vice versa. <laughs> I know one's going to really make you happy. So, okay. okay. So who do you want to start with? I'll let you pick. Let's go. Let's start with Ringo. Okay. <laughs> now, so, do you have all his albums now? If you if you don't like him very much, because a lot of Beatles fans don't. They basically have Ringo. They might have Goodnight Vienna, a couple of greatest hits, then maybe a, a live album, and maybe a, a couple of Hudson ones, and that's it. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, that's expected, I suppose, but um, I have them all, so that's why I'm kind of curious. <laughs> Just yeah. because of limited access um, to some, I don't have them all, but I have I want to say I have Bukoops, I have Ringo, I have Goodnight Vienna, I have Bad Boy, I have Rotographer, I have Stop and Smell the Roses, I have Time Takes Time, I have Vertical Man, I have Shoes Love, and that's it. So, um, Ringo. Now, I think we're going to have to, like, I'm, I'm not going to do the usual. Vertical Man is my favorite. And this is a weird copy because it doesn't have, like, the cutout. I don't know why, but I've had a lot of people ask to get this from me, and I keep telling them no. (laughs) But I love one. I love What in the World. I love Minefield. King of Broken Hearts, I think it's one of his best songs. Love Me Do. Eh, no thanks. Um, (laughs) But I love Lottie Da, that's so much fun. I'll be fine anywhere. Puppet and I'm Yours are all really great songs. Um, number two would definitely be Time Takes Time, I will say. So you don't put Ringo as your number one, as most people do? <laughs> No, because I am yeah, not. I want to hear about this, because everybody reveres that album, and I have problems with it, too, so go ahead. I don't have any problems with it. Uh-huh. I think it's equally as great uh-huh. as those. But I've just, I don't need to hear Photograph, and I'm the greatest again. <laughs> but, like, if I think of my favorite solo albums, I think of the ones that I'm going to play. And... I'm only going to play Ringo probably once or twice a year because I've heard it so often. It's kind of funny. I tend to play um, the photograph compilation more than Ringo or Goodnight Vienna because it has like the best tracks of both. And then about 10 more recent ones. (laughs) The best compilation. (laughs) So, but um, let me show you something. You can continue with it. This is something I found recently, and I didn't even really try. Um, I got Pierre McCartney and Photograph the Best of Ringo, and they just kind of match together with the covers. Well, that's interesting. I noticed that when I had them both in my car, I was like, oh, crap, that's weird. 
you know, and I don't think that was intentional, <laughs> but anyway, so that's an aside. So, <laughs> um, what now? Everybody always says, you know, I always say this, and I do say it in my book, Fortune and Book, right now, Mark Arm, Picks on the Beatles. I always say Ringo is the Yoko of the Beatles, which means um, everybody seems to pick on Yoko, but they pick on Ringo. If Yoko didn't exist, they still pick on Ringo, which is kind of unfortunate because he Poor has Ringo. done a lot of great stuff. But he's done a lot of direct, too. But then uh, you have to consider where he was in his life, you know, being an alcoholic or being whatever and stuff like that. Um, what do you think is his best material? I mean, if it is Vertical Man, okay, or uh, if it's something else, then... You, what do you think is his absolute worst of what you've heard? Of what I've heard? Yeah. And, and, it down. Be, and it could be bootleg too. So. Liverpool 8. <laughs> I have nothing nice to say about that album. <laughs> no, I'm agreeing with you, but it's just funny. <laughs> I, no thanks. <laughs> I, I don't think he's really put out a decent album since Choose Love, and even that one's marginal. But, uh, it's Mark like, was great, but what they did with Liverpool 8, oh God, <laughs> just, oh God. Okay. Sorry, uh, I have my dog here. Anyway, um, now, uh, let's see, you haven't heard the recent ones, but I'm just wondering. Uh, I've heard all of the recent ones, just not thoroughly. Okay. I mean, if I had to pick the best one within the last 10 years, mm-hmm. I would probably go with Why Not. I think Walk With You is great. Yeah. And I was trying to think, you know, because I have listened to all the more recent albums. Um, I would say the last 10 years. Yeah, that's probably the best one. The worst one I actually say of the last 10 years is the last official album, What's My Name? The two EPs I thought were a little bit better. But... I thought Zoom In was really strong, except for the Zoom In, Zoom Out song. I thought that was really bad. Yeah. So, interesting, yeah. But, you know, it's it's hard to knock Ringo because, you know, hey, at 81 or whatever his age is, you know, he keeps, you know, making music, but it's just like, it's all sounding insane. And... <laughs> exactly. Now, my... Now, I don't know if you've ever heard, do you listen to a lot of uh, Beatles interviews and stuff like that over the years and stuff like that, if you can, or do you care? I do sometimes. I really, I've listened to most of the recent ones, but not a lot of the ones in the past. But, like, the Dennis Elsis interview, the infamous Lennon one, which I need to talk to Dennis about that interview because I think it was his, like, best interview for John. The reason why I ask is because, you know, there's certain things, and uh, when you become a Beatles fan as long as I have, you start hoping for things that aren't necessarily what all Beatles fans hope for. It's just your own personal you know, wish list. So years ago, obviously, you mentioned it casually, is uh, Buku's of Blues, which was Ringo's second album, the country album. And I think it was an interview done in the early 70s, might have been the late 70s, but it was pretty far back. 
And he kind of poo-poos the album by saying, you know, what I should have done is country songs I know and love. And after I've heard that interview, I, you know, he did put occasional country song like Church of Fall or, you know, what's another one? Uh, or even a remake of Back Naturally with uh, Buck Owens and stuff like that. But it's like, I've always wanted him to do that country album that he, you know, of country songs he knows and loves, you know, just to satisfy it for me. <laughs> and, yeah. I don't know, um, what is your opinion about such things? I would like another country album. And I want to say Postcards from Paradise was supposed to be a country album. Or, no, um, Give More Love was supposed to be a country album. I read in an interview online somewhere. I wonder what Ringo's deal is, if he's afraid to do it or what, because, I mean... I don't think he wants to get picked on. Everybody picks on Ringo. That's true. Why is he doing a country album? <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Any more to say about Ringo, or you want to move on? <laughs> um, I do think Buku's is up there with one of his best albums. Yeah, I'll it's have like, to admit, when I first heard it, I did not like it. But then, when I first heard it, I was not a country music fan at all. So I was one of those types. So I was like, so I said, "What the f- is he doing with making a country album?" But as Time has gone on. I don't know if you've done this. And, uh, it's like I've become more open to Ringo's music, to Yoko's music, to Indian music, to uh, avant-garde sounds, to, you know, thanks to the Beatles. So I don't know if that has happened to you, but you're cutting out. It took a long time for me to love. Yeah. I In my back. Like, yeah, you're kind of cutting out there. What happened there? You're so perfect. And then Better now? Perfect. Okay. Yeah, it was just like... <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, Dylan is still hard for me. You know, in fact, I wrote this recently on Facebook. Some Somebody had posted, apparently, that Capital put out a recent reissue that got pulled. I don't remember if it got pulled prior or after it was released of the concert for Bangladesh with a couple extra tracks on vinyl. And Oh yeah. And uh, I said, well, why don't they just if Dylan's the problem, why don't they just issue it as a single disc and take off the Indian music and the Dylan stuff? And that was like <laughs> that was like if I stabbed a knife in somebody's heart saying, Take off the Dylan side, he's the best thing at the concert. And it's like, yeah, I know, but I'm still not the biggest Dylan fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it you know, of course now you can't take it off because he has two of the Wilburys together <laughs> back in the old days I never understood the significance of Bob Dylan when I, you know, when I started in the late 70s Bob Dylan wasn't a thing No, you know, he, he was going through like his uh, religious period you know, and you know of course John made fun of it you know uh, because and he did the song Serve Yourself as a parody of Gotta Serve Something. Which is a great song. Yeah, but I mean, that's the whole genesis of it. And it's like, I'm kind of like thinking the same, thinking at the same time when that all happened. You know, I said, yeah, Dylan's not very good. And apparently, or knowingly now, you know, it's like Dylan 
you know, suffered a bigger nader, like when Paul put out one of your favorites, not uh, Pipes of Peace, you know, uh, Dylan put out things like Infidels, you know, and so which is like, a great album. Well, I think it it got massacred when it came out. Everybody hated that album. Another album they hated is like rag on the old sixties pop stars year it was nineteen eighty three. The other one they ragged on was Paul Simon with the Hearts and Bones. <laughs> well, that's not a good album. So. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was the year that they ragged on everything, and they did rag on Dylan. They thought that was its worst. You know. Oh, so. I think it's one of his very best albums. I think time. I I will say this. I think time helps fuck it because over you over the years, like you know, supposedly self portrait was like the worst, but there's like some good material in that. You know, and uh, there is. Yeah. Um, no, there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> this is for somebody who hates Dylan, so you know, I guess you take an opinion. <laughs> um, I don't hate him. I actually saw him in concert once, but, you know, I tend to like the albums he's done in, like, the last 10 or 15 years, you know. He's I think that... Care in, into it, and he has that kind of... Really <laughs> you know, it kind of works for Dylan, not for with um, the those older artists, the um, the Bob Dylans, the Paul McCartneys, yeah. I think time has done well to those careers. Like after Tug of War, like Paul's music wasn't super great. Like except I think Flowers in the Dirt and ninety eight percent of Off the Ground. <laughs> I think, um... You're so generous. I don't know. Do you like flowers? I like uh, flowers better than off the ground. <laughs> I think if you, like, took the best material from off the ground and the best material from flowers, oh, you would I have made a... The, the, made the, my other dream album, the McCartney McManus album that should have been released. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... I, I mean, I don't despise any Paul albums except for Pipes of Peace. <laughs> um, I have a story about Pipes of Peace since you're saying that. So, and, and this might be why his, his career took a dive. Um, because up until that point, you gotta remember, except for maybe Wildlife, but even that made top ten. Uh, all, of, all of Paul's albums basically made number one or two or something high. You know, Back to the Egg, it didn't he was like number eight, but still top ten. So he never yeah. was out, the, out of the top ten uh, until Pipes of Peace. And um, not that numbers really mean all that much, but to Paul apparently it did. Because if you're used to being number one your whole career, and all of a sudden you're not, you know, you got to rethink what you're doing. Of course, Paul did worse things. I think, get, uh, give my regards to Broad Street, it's far worse than anything on Pipes of Peace. I don't know. count that as a McCartney, oh, okay, the fine. real McCartney album. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you go, you, you just go chart-wise, you just get going down and down. Now, I like Friends to Play, but a lot of people don't. And then um, the reprieve was with Flowers in the Dirt, but I always think of what could be. And I always say that it took until the anthology and then Flaming Pie to kind of bring him back into form. Flaming Pie. Can we make a transition into sure. Mr. McCartney? Yes, we are talking about <laughs> We're done <laughs> with Ringo. Uh, or Ringo. <laughs> crossing out the Alive Beatles. Yes. 
<laughs> now, my favorite fall album at the moment. Ba -ba -ba. Yes. That is a great album. Now, if there is a weak spot on that album, because there's a weak spot on every Paul album. Uh, what's the name of the song? I can't even think of it. It's um, the song that he does with Steve Miller. Um, Used to be bad. Yeah. If there's a weak, if there's a weak spot, that's the one weak spot. Otherwise, it's a almost perfect album. <laughs> like and, I would say, "Really Love You" is a weak spot, but that's two Beatles jamming together. We yeah. So that's why I didn't just excuse that one, and I excused the Steve Miller one. I know Paul and Steve Miller worked together way back when, a zillion years ago. But it's like, you know, <laughs> I I just would have shortened that track really. You know, so. But other than that, yeah, when that album came out, I was playing it over and 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 over Now, I do that with every Paul album, but that one, I did gleefully. I'm like, yes, 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 and couldn't get enough of it. Whereas other ones, like we've talked about, like off the ground and stuff, I'd play it just because, A, it's Paul's latest. I got to learn these. I got to learn the songs. I got to learn the lyrics. I hate hearing about the cat with the machine in his brain so much but okay fine and i hate that many songs on that are on the sides of singles that should have been on the album vice versa but anyway. <laughs> so what's your favorite and it's hard to do a favorite mccartney because he says so many but go for it <laughs> right this moment new wow okay yeah i mean i like that album a lot that's one of, the, one of my top I think it's really strong. I really do. Um, I love early days. I love... Um, You're still so <laughs> I am. Yeah, as my green screen decided to fall. <laughs> right. I thought you were just saying, enough of this, I'll make it... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Go for it. Anyway. Um, I really love... The whole side A, I mean, side B is weaker. I'll be which honest. Album? Wait, which album are we talking about? New. New, yeah. Like, so you, you're, talking, you're talking vinyl. So it's like the last one I really paid attention to, side one and side two, is probably types of peace. So it's like I got to remember what was on side one, side two. I know the opening track has saved me, and I have the extended version on CD, so I have all the bonus tracks. So it's like 16. Or so you're not a vinyl person currently. Oh, I get on vinyl. I don't play them. I play them maybe once and then I put them away. So you know. <laughs> you're you're one of the collectors, I see. Yeah, because the last the last Paul McCartney album I bought new <laughs> um, <laughs> was Goodbye Regards to Broad Street. CDs came out in 1982, and that one came out in '84, and they put extra music on the CD. And I said, "Wow, oh, fuck! I don't want to get the—I don't want to miss the music, so I will get the CD." I actually bought "Get My Regards to Broad Street" before I had a CD player because I didn't want to miss that music. Because I said, "Just my luck, the soundtrack will go out of print by the time I get a CD player." <laughs> and uh, it didn't. So when I did get a CD player, I had like two or three fallouts by that. Yeah, but new is, like, my go-to album right now. Like, it's celebrating a new life with Nancy. By the way, did you see uh, Nancy's dad died? Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> really? I didn't go way more detail. Just, it's, it's, 
like it's a new life with a new wife. It's he's happy, which we didn't see for a while. Right. I mean, <laughs> with a uh, that one-legged uh, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like in the beginning of dance tonight, like the tapping. Yeah. Like, I always thought that was always a little jab at Heather because it's like a peg leg. <laughs> thought of that wow <laughs> my dark mind i usually think it's things like that that's what i call her piggy leg which is a take on uh lennon saying what he used to call piggy lee yeah you know, call her piggy leg and so i said that's a perfect term for heather mills <laughs> yeah but yeah it's so like privately a now it's public i say piggy leg i mean everybody, don't give me letters saying oh that maybe trying to disable people blah blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but but like I, but I mean, with David Kahn's production, but I always think of that being Heather's peg like tapping on the floor. Wow, I never really thought about it. Now I'm gonna have to listen to that again. But I did listen to that album recently. Exactly. I, I had you mentioned new. I have new in my car. I still have a car CD player. But I had written. I you showed on your show, Memory Almost Full CD. But this is mine. Mine's different than yours. See, mine's the pink one. Oh, don't rub it. It has the DVD in it, so it's like. So. Oh. <laughs> Do you have memory on vinyl? Did you buy that? Oh, I have it on vinyl too. Yeah. Um, the only Man, Paul, I... there's one Paul album I don't have on vinyl. Uh, maybe I have it now. It was off the ground for the longest time, so I have the reissue, but I don't have the original one that came out. There's no reissue of off the ground. Oh. Oh, no, 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 not off the ground. Paul is Live, the next album. Yeah, they oh. came out very briefly. Not in the U.S., but, I mean, import copies came out. And I missed it and didn't get it until he did a reissue, like, pretty recently. So I but, um, ah. but I do try to get all the, the Beatles and uh, um, solo final albums. The only time I don't is if it's a reissue. So... Like right now, they're doing a half speed master of Wings Wildlife. I'm not going to be getting that. <laughs> Unless there's some new material on it, but I have the original Apple one from 1971. That's fine for me. So <laughs> I will just because I like the sound of half speed vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> I have the CD collection. <laughs> and I have the big Deluxo, it's one of the Deluxo sets of McCartney that I've actually bought. So. Actually, it wasn't wildlife. It was River Speedway. That was the one I bought. There was a deluxe one that I wanted to buy that had those two together. But there's always so many things to buy. But, like, my number two Paul album would be Flaming Pie. I'm also a big, big fan of Back to the Egg. Now, explain that one. I mean, I like it. In fact, I liked it when it first came out. But you got massacred in the press and everything when that first came out. Um... What do you like about what do you don't you like about you know, Oh, I like uh, everything about it. Oh, okay. Even um, broadcast? A lot of people Oh, I think that's fun. Like <laughs> I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but it, you know, it came I was like your age when it came out. And I, mean, I had I no pro, I had no problem with it because I was already a Paul fan. I loved London Town, which you have on the back wall. A lot of yeah. people don't like that album either. And I liked it that back to the age sounded different. 
my only disappointment was Good Night Tonight wasn't on it, but then I already owned the 12 inch single and all that stuff at the time. So, well, new material, move on. Okay. <laughs> well, with Back to the Egg, think of this new band, Lawrence Juber, possibly the best musician that McCartney has ever worked with, not counting the Beatles, yeah. but post. Like, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Denny Lane's guitar playing. <laughs> um, or a fan of him. Let's be honest. Denny um, Lane's on. We can talk about him. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he is not a very nice person. <laughs> I guess he hasn't been on your podcast. Then. Oh, he will never be on my podcast. Uh, okay, all right. We'll get uh, into it. But, it, but say what you're going to say about Back to the Egg first, and then we'll talk about Denny. But it's got Lawrence and it's got Steve and those drums, that guitar. Right. Did you know who they were prior to getting that album? Well, I knew like Wings lineups by that point. Okay. So I I knew who Lawrence was. And I knew I didn't like I I called him Steve Holy for a long time. (laughs) Which is funny. Um, and, uh, um, what was I going to say? Like, getting closer, the guitar work, the harmonies are perfect. I love Spin It On. I love We're Open Tonight. I think Good Night Tonight is possibly his best song in the 70s. Like, it's just got that wing sound, and I love the Spanish guitar. It just always makes me enjoy McCartney. <laughs> that was a really good album. I, you know, I, you know, there, it's, I always say there's always a weak spot. There. It's hard to find one on that one, to be honest, but uh, there's odd things on that album, I would say. I think the Rockester thing is rather odd, just how it kind of is only on there for a couple tracks, and then gone, and it's like, because yeah, remember I was around when they were promoting this album before it came out, and they were yeah. acting like the Rockster is going to be the biggest thing ever for Paul McCartney, and it's like it's just kind of shoved on the B side, and you know the album is just kind of there. And like, okay, it was wasn't as exciting as I thought, and then the concerts for Campuchia where they played also, that didn't even come out the year it was recorded. It came out like three years later, so two year, two or three years later. So it was very underwhelming in kind of a weird way that probably would you wouldn't have realized because you're just picking up the finished project. Yeah. Um, like, but Ram's also up there. I think Ram is his masterpiece. Like, don't get me wrong. But McCartney 3 is right up there, too. Yeah. Like, there are probably 10 albums that shuffle in that number one stuff. Like, but every Paul album definitely has its weak spot. I mean, here's mine, and then you can you can do yours, I guess. So, so you know, all through his whole career, you know, McCart- McCartney, Ram, Band on the Run, Venus and Mars, London Town, Back to the Egg, McCartney Two, Tug of War. I like press to play. <laughs> Flaming Pie, um, Memory Almost Full, 
New and then Egypt Station and McCartney Street. So, so those are your top ten. Yeah, yeah, it's probably more than ten, but <laughs> I think I went about fifteen there because he said so many albums. But those are the ones that I can always go to. The rest are like I have to be in a proper mood, or I just want to say, hmm, maybe I'll like uh, Driving Rain this time if I put it on again. Nope. <laughs> I like that album. I don't hate it. Hate it. Well, you know, I know Kiddo Tool hates it, you know, but it's like there are a couple tracks on that, as there are on Chaos Creation in the Backyard, that I actually like. So there's always a couple tracks I like, but it always seems like there's something. There's I can't think of any perfect McCartney album. Ram does come pretty darn close, though, so as a perfect McCartney I don't think Kit has listened to it since 2001. And, you know, I can't do that. I don't know if you, well, how are you on that, on albums you don't like? Do you listen to them again, or you just say, well, this oh, is just going to be my shelf, and I won't go back to it anytime. It's John, John Paul or George, yes. So you'll the go back one, to them even if you don't like them very much. It'll be like once a year. But I don't have time to listen to the solo, the whole <laughs> solo discography in a day. Right. But, Kit, if you're listening... Consider it another listen. I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> the two tracks I like, I like. Um, what's the opening track? The opening track on the album. Lonely Road. I like Lonely that Road. a lot. I like that album. I like that song a lot. And I like Tiny Bubble for some dumb reason. I think it's kind of a cool track. Um, I think Freedom kind of ruins it. I mean. Unlike what we were saying on Back to the Egg, where I said, oh, maybe you should have played Goodnight Tonight on it instead of a standalone single. I think Freedom should have been a standalone single, so it could have not marred an already subpar album and made it worse, I think. <laughs> you know? So I don't know what your thoughts are about Freedom on that song. I like it, but no, I actually don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> My top 10 McCartney albums. Number 10, McCartney 2. I love it. It's weird. It's fun. It's quirky. Number 9. Number 9. I'm going to go with Chaos because I think it's a masterpiece, lyrically. Which one? Which one? Um, Chaos. Chaos. Which I know you call Chaos and Creation in the trash bin, but... <laughs> um, number 8, Electric Arguments. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Number seven. I'm going to go with the Band on the Run. Oratorio. <laughs> um, <laughs> number six. I get, <laughs> number six. I will go with... Right now, what is it? I'll say McCartney 3. Number five. Memory. Hmm. Number four, we'll go um, Tug of War. Number three, Back to the Egg. Number two, Flaming Hot. Number one, New. Where was Ram again? Number three was Tug of War. Yeah, but where was Ram? I thought you said... Oh, like Ram, Ram was number three. Oh, okay. I'm... All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, I didn't think I heard it, so because it's not, I remember you said you, it's one of your favorites. Okay, well, it's not, if it's one of your favorites, why isn't it in your top ten? But anyway, I'm sure you said it, so I'm going to rewind the tape. <laughs> um, 
But like my bottom feeders are definitely Chaba BCCP. <laughs> or Chanvava Sasapa. <laughs> um which I don't like at all. Sorry, Alan. Do you like, well, do you like Run Devil Run, the other one? That's oh, I think that's a masterpiece. Really? Well, why don't you like the other one? Because I consider them like, it, 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 I wish you would reissue them together as like Paul McCartney Oldies album or something. Have you ever listened to the production on Shabba BCCP? Um, well, CD doesn't sound too badly, but oh. you're probably listening to vinyl or... Are you oh, listening to the Melodia Russian press thing? Yeah. Is kind of, <laughs> well, I mean, mine sounds like it was recorded in a tin can. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> well, that one would be one. I don't know if you'd want to stick with vinyl. I, mean, I think the CD is superior, but, you know, it's like, uh, it wasn't designed for the U.S. It was designed for Russia. I'm glad he did finally re- uh, properly release it. Yeah, I was in McCartney's um, Wings Fun Club back then. Senate Do you have all the club sandwiches? I have all the ones I got, which is like from, I missed the, like the first thirty issues or something. I, I was a late bloomer to Fun Club. I uh, I think it started like in nineteen seventy three, and I didn't uh, subscribe to like four. <laughs> you know, and it, it was just because I thought, oh yeah. Already getting a Beatle fan. I'm already getting. Do I need this? Even though it's actually produced by Paul McCartney himself, it didn't even yeah. occur to me. But the, the one of the best things they ever did is they gave out that Russian album as one of the issues, as it were. I think there was an issue attached to it, but they gave it out free if you were a subscriber. So that was really cool back then because uh, it wasn't in stores and it wouldn't be for a number of years. So <laughs> yeah. Um, who should we go on to next? Uh, let's do George, because I think you like John the best, right? Or, oh, Dead Beatles. <laughs> well, I love them all equally. Well, you know who number four is, right? In my list of Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I feel like a awful person saying that because I love him. Uh, I don't don't like him very much. Uh Oh, before we go on, I do have to ask you, I know we're we're just jumping around, but I mentioned Denny Lane. Okay, so quickly. Uh, I don't dislike him. I don't think he's a very good singer or performer. I mean, he's kind of written some okay tunes over the years, but I don't dislike him as a person. What is your take on Denny Lane? I don't think he's a very nice person. Um, <laughs> I, that's all I will say. Oh, okay. Is there, um, like, personal information that you've uh, discovered from yes. other people? Who talk? Okay, I'll leave it at that. I won't grill you about it. But, you know, it's like, um, I, I think, you know, he, going on that, and I'll take the brunt of it here, going on that uh, road, uh, during the time he was with Wings, it seemed like he was all right, but the, I think his marriage to Jojo Lane affected his situation a lot, as it seems like a lot of uh, marriages seem to affect relationships and bands, uh, interestingly. Um, so, I don't know. Um, yeah, I never really had a problem with him, but yeah, I never thought he was the greatest performer. It was almost kind of like, 
he was willing to stick with Paul, so Paul was willing to have him. Otherwise, he probably would have dumped him in 73 with the other two and <laughs> done Band on the Run by himself. But the fact that Denny was willing to go to Lagos with him, he said, all right. <laughs> well, I think the harmonies that he produced with Linda and Paul can't be replaced. I will yeah, say Yeah, that's that. true. That's true. I just think as a singer by himself. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's really hard sometimes to get through, like, uh, Wings at the Speed of Sound, because I think he has, like, two tracks on that instead of one. You know? and it's like, oh, no, there's, not... like, three or four. Or th- or, yeah, he has more on that one than others, you know, and it's like, you know, and they're not as good, like, I th- you know, we mentioned Back to the Egg, I think his tracks in there are probably some of his best for Wings, surprisingly, so. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know he's touring with Joey Mullen. And I don't know. Well, I like Joey a lot. I love Badfinger, so I'm yeah. debating. Oh, I'd see him. I'd see him. <laughs> I've seen uh, Joey. I've never seen Dan but uh, it's during the years that uh, I don't know if Danny's toured much until recently anyway, or if he has a paid attention. Well, I think he's toured like with his, I'd say within the last 10 years he's toured. And I haven't been going to too many concerts in the last 10 years except for the local things. No, no big stadium things. Like, um, Oh, yeah, before we go on, uh, Ringo and Paul, have you seen them live and when? No. Really? Not even once? Okay. I thought you might have gathered your check. I just live in such a middle-of-nowhere area. <laughs> travel, my boy. Travel. <laughs> anyway. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> funny thing. Like, there is only one target in the state of Vermont. Like, that's that's how, like, rural Vermont is. And there is only six Walmarts. And I'm so pretty sure... I assume you, you get all your <laughs> records and, uh, and everything through the mails, right? Well, I... Once, like, I'll go travel. So, what, funny, so there's this place called uh, Broomfield, which takes place in Broomfield, Massachusetts. It's about 30 minutes west of Springfield. And it's just all these record vendors. It's a massive flea market. With, you could, like, I've seen a coffin there um, <laughs> with embalming fluid. Um, I've seen, like, it's anything. Like, um, And they have a lot of record dealers that some of them are crazy expensive, some of them are cheap, and I go and I buy in bulk, basically. All right, let's go back to George. You're only going for 10 hours here, so <laughs> gotta get to George. George's go. best album. It's a My Ringo, my Ringo drum roll. I don't like to play the solo. I'm going to throw a curveball. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I will agree. And I think I mentioned that, and you were, like, uh, thrilled on your podcast that I, I, I recognize Brainwashed, because most people ignore that album. This is so ignored. I think that if Horse to the Water was on here, you yeah. would have a perfect album. But even without it, it's a great album. It's just yeah. that 
I think when it came out, we didn't know Horse of the Water had been recorded, and then it came out a few months later or something, and it's like, oh, you know, if I remember yeah. correctly. I may, I might be wrong on that one. I, I know my Beatles facts usually, but sometimes criminology gets a little more. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. No, Any Road, great track. P2 Podcast Blue. Sorry, that's the name of my other show. Oh, P2 Podcast. <laughs> Blues. Um, P2 Vatican Blues last Saturday night. Yeah. Pisces Fish is great. Looking for My Life is gorgeous. Rising Sun is great. Mara Blues, a most wonderful Bammy. I believe. Your mic a little closer. Mar- Marwa Blues almost won a Grammy. <laughs> um, stuck Inside a Cloud, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Run So Far, beautiful. Never Get Over You. Wonderful. Eh, that one's a little low, I will say. <laughs> Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea is fun. I lo- Rocking Share in Hawaii is a little weaker, and Brainwashed is just so much fun. Yeah. yeah I haven't listened to that one in a while, but yeah, that's a really good album. I should dig that one out, you know, because I, I do that. I keep them all in CD, and then I just dig through the, the Beetle Box. I actually have two Beetle Boxes. I haven't heard this one in a while. And I take a big stack out to my car and put them in another box and over time play them while I drive around. Yeah, if I ever get a car that doesn't have a CD player, I'm going to be going to the stereo shop and having them install, <laughs> install one you drive, because I, I love compact discs. Anyway, you drive right. around all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Do you collect singles too, or just albums? I do. Okay. Very few of them, but when they're cheap, like as in one or two dollars, I get them. Yeah, and I don't necessarily mean like the new ones, you know, because of oh, course gosh. they put out brand new ones, which I get. But you know, it's like they cost as much as an album now, so it's like I mean, just the old ones back in the day, um, from the seventies and eighties, you know, because they used to always have. B sides and stuff, and sometimes A sides that weren't on the album, which really kind of sucked. <laughs> it really was annoying back then. Yeah, and with material world, yeah. this is my like number two. Like, and all things must pass is right behind it. But I'm sick of talking about all things must pass. I think the box set was great. The remix was great. Phil Spector's dead. Fun fact: Phil Spector. All things must pass is the only solo Beatles album that has two convicted murderers on it. Jim Jordan and Phil Spector. I was going to say, who's the other one? <laughs> Jim Jordan from uh, Derek and the Dominoes. Or Jim oh. Gordon. Jim Gordon, okay, okay. But still, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> funny de- funny <laughs> detail. Convicted murderers. <laughs> O.J. Simpson is not. Oops. <laughs> oh, 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 I don't think he's on any solo Beatles. Um, but Material World, first of all, love the cover work. Like, yeah. um, and if I open this up, I love, I love that picture. Yeah. I, I think so your cool. podcast is a video cast, right? Yeah. So okay. Video. Yeah. So those poor people listening on Spotify are gonna not be impressed. Or you could just tell everybody, go out and buy a copy of uh, Living in the Material World. 
you can get it if you get the CD version. I recommend the most recent version because that has the gatefold sleeve, just like this. Don't get the toolbox version. Get the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or get the vinyl. The vinyl is really sharp and has a, a nice, uh, not a poster. It's like a postcard thing. If you want to pull it out. Yes, and I think I could pull that out if I find it. Or it might. It has the same picture if you get it out there on the label itself. And this is some Indian image, but I don't know. Name of it off the top of my head, and then it has the the OM symbol on the back of that uh, page. If you can pull that out there, I don't think it's in here, but oh, okay, you might have had it pulled out. Okay, well, it's the lyric it's... sheet, basically. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was trying to you know, so. Oh, huh, I know where it is. Ah, it's, it's on here. the other side. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's yeah. on the label of the. Well, that's on one side of the label. The other side has the limo. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, the lyric sheet, and. I didn't in the uh, vinyl days, but I did when the CD came out. The Jim Keltner fan club address, at least when the CD came out, works. And they will send you this little button. I don't know if they still will, but you can still try it and see if they have any extra. <laughs> Self-addressed stamp elephender or something like that it says on there. From Jim yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a legit but, address, and you do get a little button that says Jim Keltner Fan Club. So, I would love to interview Jim. Hey, Jim, come on our shows. <laughs> he do, but go he on this man's show first. Anyway. Yes. Oh, <laughs> he, he does do Beatles all the time. I only do it on occasion. So anyway. <laughs> he doesn't do many show interviews. He's not a public guy. I bet you'll get him. I bet you'll get him. <laughs> yeah. Sending out good vibes, good George Harrison vibes, Carmen and all that stuff. Yeah, but give me love. Yeah, go. I better talk to that I know, I know Hudson Randy guy. (laughs) But um, give me love, give me peace on earth. Sue me, see blues is hilarious. The light that's light in the world. Don't let me wait too long. Can be a signal. Should have been a signal. Um. I think living in the material world could have also been a single. Just so they, those days, they didn't put out ten singles up and out. They might put two tops. I think Ringo was odd for putting out three singles up the same. Up. No, it's not um, "Flowers in the Dirt" or uh, "Tango in the Night" by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, but that was later on. I mean, I'm talking yeah. early '70s. You know, they tended to not put out very many singles up albums. You know, and I don't know what it was if, if Apple had no money and they didn't want to put out a lot of singles, but there's a lot of canceled singles during the Apple years, which is really amazing and surprising. Because you mentioned Don't Let Me Wait Too Long. That was supposed to be a single. And I think The Light That Lighted the World was supposed to be a single, too. Some oh, wow. Um, but none of them even got to the, 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 like the promo copy stage, so whatever. Yeah. Um, side two, I will admit, is a little lonky. Um, I love Be Here Now. I love Try Some, Buy Some. I mean, I love that is all. Those are like standout tracks on side two. The other ones, you have to be in a certain, quote-unquote, spiritual mode in it. Which ones not, are those? Who Can See It or something? I don't know. Um, no, that's on side one. Um, oh. The Lord That Loves the One um, and uh, The Day the World Gets Round. Okay, yeah. But as an album, this is really just, I think, the best yeah. of the best. That, the Give Me Love song was one song that I actually knew before I really was a Beatles fan. And so when I became a Beatles fan, I was like, 
overjoyed to find out that that was actually done by a beetle or ex beetle or whatever. You know, I did I had no idea. I just, it was just a, a good sounding track that they played on the radio in the early seventies. And it's still, whenever I hear it, I crank it up. It's like the best George thing. I mean, if not the best, it depends on my mood, too. <laughs> yeah. But, like, George is just, I love his solo career. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoy Live in Japan. And I should mention that uh, Deep Blue and Miss Odell are also fantastic songs. Yeah. What's your thought on electronic sounds? I've never listened to it. Okay. <laughs> You're probably better off. <laughs> yeah. What's your thought on... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the hard to listen to stuff. Uh, Wonder Woman music, which I actually... Oh, I like that album. Okay. Uh, what's your thought on the Apple Jam part of... <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I think okay. it's fun and fantastic. Uh, some people don't like it as much, but, you know, I don't mind it. It's just, you know... Um, my problem with all things Mitch Pass is the production and uh, that he puts his in it a pity twice, which I think is a cheap. Should have put more tracks, but that's just me. I always like more original songs. But me too. Um, what do you think of Dark Horses in it? I like some of it. Okay. I really like. Um, I really like Harry's on tour. I think that's fun. Um. If he waited and just let his voice heal, he could have had a decent album. I I love the title track, Dark Horse. Um, Simply Shady's pretty groovy. Um, I love Ding Dong, Ding Dong. Yeah. It's so stupid. Now that was an album like like Ringo's Country album. I always wish that George thought somewhere along the line in his lifetime. You know, my voice is better now. I sing better now. Let me re-record the vocal tracks, and I'll put an alternate version for the fill-in-the-blank anniversary of Dark Horse. And he never did. And I don't know if he considered it or never crossed his mind or what, but it's like... If I ever talk to Olivia or Danny, that's the first question I'm asking. The best thing I can say, and this is, uh, again, a push for CDs. The CD version that came out most recently, they... 2006. Did, yeah. They, they did enough studio trickery that kind of gets rid of the hoarseness of his voice that it almost sounds acceptable as a non-horse album, if that makes sense. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, I can kind of dig on this album now. So, you know. Yeah, that is the one George album that I actually don't have on vinyl, uh-huh. in, excluding um, electronic sound in um, Wonderwall. Well, if you really, you know, retentive like me, you have to get both versions. One has the giant, uh, you know, whatever, God in the sky, and the other one has a little teeny one. It has a name, you know, all these, Godiva Matar, Godiva Gatar, whatever these, yeah. I don't know all these Indian terms. I'm sorry, George, I didn't get into it that heavy with your heart, Krishna, so I just like your music. So anyway... <laughs> He's probably swirling around. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Um, You've got it wrong. <laughs> You've got it all wrong. <laughs> um, so, any more on George, or do you want to move on to John? <laughs> I also really, 
I will say my favorite George Harrison solo song is from 33 and a third, and that would be Beautiful Girl. Oh, cool. Now that actually was recorded for this past two, or at least it was written. I don't know if it was... Yes, it was. So. Yeah, three to three and my one third, I've said, is my favorite album because, and probably it's, because it's so funky. <laughs> yeah. So that's the reason. It's, like, it's, but, it's a fun album. Do you like things like Gone Tropo or think they're stinkers? <laughs> I think that. Um, <laughs> what's the second song? Gone Tropo. That's the way it goes. It's fantastic. I also really do enjoy. Uh, What's it called? Wake Up My Love was the single. The yeah. chart. And then the That's second fun. single was I Really Love You, which doesn't sound like George at all. But <laughs> It's not George, is it? Well, he's singing kind of background vocals to his own song. <laughs> yeah. And he actually put it out as a single, which is, is crazy. But I think he really wanted to just say, I don't care. Because, you know, he retired after that for five years. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my favorite drop out. Traveling Wilberry's album is volume two. I should two. say that. Two, the bootleg? I meant three. Oh. Okay, because I was saying the legit ones are one and three. That was their joke. There was never a volume two. <laughs> um, but there is a bootleg called volume two. <laughs> so if you want to get an inside scoop, um, Jeff Slate, who? I don't Have you heard of Jeff Slate? It sounds familiar. I don't know. Say who he is. <laughs> um, He's like a journalist, um, okay. and he guests on podcasts all the time, oh, okay. and a musician. Um, he'll be on my show, and we're going to make Travel Wilberry's volume, too. Cool. <laughs> With all those leftover songs. And, well, I always know. say kind of arguably volume two of Travel Wilberry's would have been, if you take like the best tracks of Full Moon Fever, by Petty and uh, Roy Orbison's, uh, what's that one called, um, Mystery Girl or something. Yep. Yeah, and Jeff Lynn had Armchair Theater, and I think Dylan had an album that, around that time. And of course, oh, Marcy, George. which is a great album. And then, of course, the George songs that were on uh, Best of Dark Horse, like Cheer Down. And all those Cheer Down is one of my favorite You could probably make songs. a volume two out of, like, the best tracks out of all those albums. <laughs> yeah. I've never done it, but... I'm sure it's possible. So, um, anyway. But yeah, I think that's all I have to say about George. All right, we'll move on to John. I have some mini Dougies here. Now, I should have brought the specific CD, but the vinyl's like over there in a frame. That's Mind okay. Games, hands down my favorite album. Now, that's interesting. Now, I've always hated that album. Until it came out on CD. Do you have a vinyl version that sounds good? No. Okay. So you have the original 1973 Apple version? I do, but the, I do have somewhere a CD of the 2002 version that's on CD. Yeah. Which is where Yoko kind of took those vocals and like brought them up in the mix. Yeah. And it is perfect. Yeah. So... When that one came out, I finally liked that album. It was just like the Dark Horse album. When they tweaked it enough, I know some people say that's sacrilege to mess with, you know, somebody's, you know, whatever. But in the case of Mind Games, I thought the original 73 mix was so, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just thought, here's a bunch of songs that have really great potential, but Lennon 
was not interested in it uh, because he was moving to LA and working on other things and it just kind of came and went. And I almost think it was kind of Ringo's album doing well that kind of woke him up, especially since he wrote that infamous telegram. It's like, congratulations, how dare you? And could you write me a hit? You know, it was almost like, hmm, maybe I should make a better album, which is why I think Walls and Bridges is better. It's his response to it. So I have a guest vote. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your co-host. <laughs> anyway, um, they're all whiny and everything. That's why I think Walls and Bridges is very close. Number two. Um, I like the original. I also like the 2010 vinyl that came out, which is the copy that I have. I don't have an original yet. Um, but I just love the way the vinyl sounds. Um, go. That one sounded great in the original 74. So. It isn't great. No, it is. It sounds oh, great. Then, yeah, that's why I said you put a lot more care into that one. It sounds great. Um, yeah. I actually hate the most recent CD version only because they put some long-ass interview with him at the end. And it's like, I don't mind Lennon interviews, but don't put them on his regular albums as a bonus track. I mean, no. it just bugged me. They could have put some of the Men Love Avenue tracks as bonus tracks or something like that. To kind of do that. Have you heard the alternate Mind Games bootleg? Um, maybe somewhere along the line. I'll send Bye. you some MP3s. Alright. But, um, I also really like the rock and roll album. Um, now, it's fun to listen to. It's bouncy. It's boppy. It makes me smile. <laughs> uh, but it, would I consider it his best? Best? Oh God, no. But um, his best album. Like, if I had to tell you what his best album is. Hands down, it's Plastic Ono Band. Hmm. But, um, I like all of them. I really do. I think John, I mean, sometime in New York City, Disc 2, never again. <laughs> um, but I really do enjoy Side 1. I think Woman is the End of the World is a good track, which we, which you can go to Part 1 on my show to kind of hear us rant about that. Um, now, I would, are you a Zappa fan at all? If not, no. Okay. All right. I would tell you this, if uh, you ever are inclined to listen to the live drum tracks, to get uh, the Zappa album, Playground Psychotics, because they don't mix out Mark Goldman and Howard Kalen and the Turtles, Will and Eddie, uh, from the mix, and it sounds better than what Lennon out where you just mix them up completely and so you're just left with a lot of caterwauling and you know weirdness and just scumbag and things like that you know that being said uh it's still not great stuff so <laughs> i'm just saying seek it out just to hear it you know and um because the only good track on the, the whole this too i think is baby please don't go well and maybe the cold turkey live version yeah, that's not too bad. And those are on the CD, so, you know, you don't have to, you know, if you get the, the newer CD that cuts all that stuff off and adds uh, Happy Christmas and since the snow is falling, it kind of makes it better sometime in the New York City listening experience than the original. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway. Um, 
since Lennon obviously had a shorter life, um, is there any posthumous compilation that you enjoy more than others or any collectibles of it? Um, I do really like Give Me Some Truth. The newest one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I just think because that was, with the pandemic, it was kind of a light. Because that was the first release that, um, kind of happened. Um, so if it gave me a light, I think it was the first release in the pandemic era. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, wait. That was late 2020. Zoom in was early 2021. Right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. First <laughs> pandemic release, and it brought us all happiness in a really bad time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was unfortunately, fortunately, or unfortunately, how you look at an anniversary year for Mr. Lennon. Yeah, and let's just say that I think that there was a little bit of a jab of the, um, I wonder if, um, I I don't want to get political, but I wonder if the title Give Me Some Truth was um, because of the quote-unquote orange menace that was in office. That's interesting. Probably. Yeah. Um, but there was another compilation with that exact same title. In the past yeah, days, exactly. I'm out that they use the same title twice. <laughs> I mean, you know, why don't you call it I Know I Know and plug this man's butt? Good point. Yeah, interesting, yeah. But I didn't think about that. But there's probably, you know, certain, like, you know, on some of these things that, you know, not everybody catches. I certainly didn't catch it necessarily, but... Um, did you go for all the editions of it, or did you just get the, the single volume or double volume set, or what did you get? Now, um, little secret, I don't actually have it. it I've just streamed it. Oh. Um, I'm kind of waiting for the local Target that just opened like a month ago to get the colored variant. Okay. So I have two versions. I have the, the naked two versions anyway um, <laughs> uh, that uh, just a single CD I think it's a single CD it might be a double CD but I didn't get the deluxe one. and because I you know with Lennon compilations it's like they're like a dime a dozen they always seem to have like the same 10 tracks and just triple extra new ones each time uh, my, and I'll ask you in a second and I'll tell you mine uh, what's your favorite compilation of all time um and then I got the vinyl version, and it did get to the target. I opened it up. It was light blue. And unfortunately, it didn't play on my turntable very well. And so really? what, if you do get a copy, I want to know if it plays for you. Because I was really bummed out. Because I said, hey, I'm going to listen to this. Because they remastered it for this. And I said, I'm going to hear how it sounds on the vinyl. And it kind of skips. And I go, wow, did they just press this badly, you know? So, oh, well, I've never put, tried to play it since, you know, and uh, I haven't tried it on other record players. I have another turntable, but it's not in commission right now. I have to find it and put it in. <laughs> the one we normally use, it plays everything, even scratched stuff, and it's like it just was like skimming the surface of the thing, and it's like 
you know. I wonder if you try to like get a brush and dust it off. I don't know, but it's weird because it's a brand new album. It shouldn't do that. But no. anyway, I might try it again. But uh, what was I going to say about? Oh, so compilations. What's your favorite one of all time? Beatles or non-Beatles? No, no. I mean of the the Lennon compilations because there's been a ton of them. Um, give me some truth still. Really? Oh, okay. Just... Mine's mine's Lennon Legend. I think they did the best job on that. The best song selection. Yeah. That's out of over the years. It's like okay, if they're gonna put out the like shaved fish worked in a pinch way back when, but it really kind of sucked because of cut songs and half. <laughs> and then yeah. um, the next one is John Lennon collection. Always bugged me because it's very double fantasy heavy. And um, that's true. Um, I do like that though. Yeah. And I just wish there were more album tracks to kind of balance it out because I thought, well, we just, I assume most people that bought this had already bought Double Fantasy. This is 1982, so it's like, yeah, you can put the three big hits. And if you want anything else, buy Double Fantasy. You know, don't, exactly. You know. Anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the Beatles themselves. And I'll interrupt first because I love to interrupt, but, you know, I've been posting this. My mono edition of Magical Mystics. Don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. I know. Uh, see, it says, oops, it, they salute Mal Evans because they, no, just kidding, it's just because the stereo one says SMAL. You don't know how long I've been looking for that stupid thing, at least at a reasonable price. Anytime I've ever seen it, it's been well over $100 to get for 30 bucks. I'm just like, yeah, and I when almost, you, what? When did you get this? About three days ago. And I almost passed it up because I'm at this point where, do I really need it? And I said, dummy, you know, you've been looking for this your whole life. You should at least own it for a brief time on this planet. So it's like, you know, <laughs> but I, it's weird because, you know, for years I was looking for like the mono white album and I got one, you know, that was the UK pressing. I have the Magical Mystery Tour EP in mono, but you know, the, I got years ago. Finding weird things just out in the wild like that and not on eBay or anything like that. It's like really bizarre answer. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite Beatles group album? And then we'll talk compilations. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, boy. <laughs> hmm. Sessions. I, I knew it was Sessions. I knew... <laughs> Rarities. I, I knew it was rare. <laughs> right now. And yeah, it can change. Just right now, 2022, what's your favorite? <laughs> the White Album. Yeah. <laughs> Easter Demos. Yeah. Yeah. That, that four LP set. Yeah. Although I have it on CD, but yes. <laughs> I, the remastered White Album, hands down. Favorite. Yeah. Um, I loved what Genius Giles did to it. Um, I love the production. Um, and it's just, they were at their prime, loose, happy. I will say that I think their peak was hands down Abbey Road. Yeah. Um, 
but my personal favorite. Um, I'm going to take a quote from uh, the Professor Cozen, who I'm sure you've heard of, um, where he said that the Beatles continued to be at their peak until their end. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a whole episode on, I think, Ken Michaels' YouTube channel where they discuss it. Go listen to that. Um, and it's really interesting. Um, I will say that I'm not a fan of Honey Pie at all. I don't <laughs> love Paul's Granny music. But my number two would actually be um, the United States Rubber Salt. Yeah. <laughs> because it's Bob Dylan. It's like a Bob Dylan parody album. Well, I always defend the U.S. Rubber Soul because that's the one that uh, got Brian Wilson to make that sounds. It wasn't the British one. So yeah. he didn't hear any Drive My Car. <laughs> no, I don't like Drive My Car at all. I think yeah, that's it annoying. It belongs on some sort of B-side or compilation. <laughs> we could live without it. Like, I could live without that song. I agree. <laughs> um, let's see. Any great compilation you like out of all their career? I mean, there's been plenty, you know, like one, 62, 66, 67, 70, real don't... music, all that. <laughs> 20 greatest hits. The thing with Beatles is there's no deep cuts for me. Yeah. Like, but if I had to pick one, it would yeah. be rock and roll music. Yeah. Okay. I like the rock stuff the most. I also really love love songs. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, my favorite Beatles song of all time is In My Life. Mm -hmm. Partially because of the George Martin piano solo. But um, I really think that the rock stuff overall was, it's just they're rocking, they're sweaty, they're having a good time. Yeah. I wish they would like recreate it now. Because oh. I wouldn't, I would say reissue, but here's what I mean about recreate. When rock and roll music came out, there was no anthology, there was no BBC sessions, there was none of that. So you only had to choose from, you know, the basic 62 to 70 catalogs. So, um, now it'd be interesting to do a revised version that would take all those rockers that were in the BBC or even on the anthology and stuff like that and do like a revised, you know, and take off ones that aren't as good, you know, or just make a three disc set, whatever. <laughs> oh no. And uh, I would love to see that, you know, but the Beatles probably will say, oh, that was our original six nay nay, but you know, <laughs> Never hurts to ask. I can dream, and that's just my wish list on that. Do you have any wish list? I've been putting out mine of anything you'd like to see, you oh, know, whether it's plausible or probable or not. I would like to see George and John be resurrected from the dead. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I meant it music-wise. <laughs> um, I would like to see a Rick Rubin, Paul McCartney album. I would like. A Rick Rubin produced Paul McCartney. Oh, album. yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I would like to see Dylan and McCartney collaborate. I would like to see. Um, I would like to see 
Paul work with Denny Sewell or Lawrence again individually? Like, oh, we're pay- playing in California. Lawrence comes up on stage and plays with him. Or, oh, we're playing in New York and Steve Hawley comes and plays up with him. The closest I've ever seen something like that is when I saw McCartney in 1989. I didn't know. It, first of all, 1989, nobody, no Beatle had toured. No. At all, since the 70s. Uh, so, you know, when Ringo, Ringo, I think, did his tour first so I went to see him, but Paul was the biggie, and when Paul announced his 89 tour, he didn't, I was living in Northern California, he didn't announce any Northern California dates, so I was freaking out, because I said, what if this guy just tours this once, and never again, or never in like another 10, 20 years, so I uh, flew to LA, and saw McCartney down there in 1989, and uh, that was Probably, I think, the only time Stevie Wonder joined him on stage in the encore and they sang Ebony and Ivory. So I will always cherish that 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 actually happened. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, that was pretty special that you got to see that. And then he did tour Northern California the following year, and I went to see him again because, well, now he's here. I better see him. <laughs> you know, but I stopped seeing him in 2005. I actually had written this on Facebook because people were talking about McCartney and his voice and everything like that. And I said, well, there's three reasons I don't see McCartney live anymore. Now, for you, I recommend seeing him. But for me, I've seen him four or five times, so that's enough. Um, I don't like it that McCartney's voice is not as strong as it used to be. That's a real key of mine. Uh, and I don't like it that he doesn't vary his song selection very much. Like you said, if you've never seen him, then yes, it's great. But when you see him and he has 60 years of material he could draw from and he plays like the same 20 tunes and this flips out a couple different ones. It's kind of maddening for a long time fan. I think we had the discussion on Classic Show and Kiddo Tools on there with me. And she's like, well, um, you know, the Beatles fans want to see this. And I go, yeah, I know they want to see this, but uh, they could take off Let Me Roll It once and play Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, for example. You know, because yeah. <laughs> he always plays Let Me Roll It, you know. And if you missed it, well, it's not his strongest track. It's a good track, but, you know, you know that's why I mean change it out a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. He's never played With a Little Luck. Uh, he's never played Good Night Tonight, uh, as far as I know. Maybe he did way back when in 79 tour in England, but, you know. But anyway, and then the third reason is just tickets are ex- astronomical, but then... You've never seen him, so I'd recommend, you know, save your money, go into debt, do it. <laughs> yeah. But in my case, you know, eh, you know, I, if the only way I'd see McCartney again is if I got a free ticket or if it was an exclusive thing where I knew he was going to do something. You know, like you probably saw that uh, James Gordon, is that the name? You know, yeah. Where he did the Liverpool tour and the... You know, they toured around the car and sang karaoke and all that stuff. And then they went to that pub and then the drape drawn and there's McCartney with the band. And it's like, I would have killed the band there, you know, <laughs> those little. What if you, yeah, like if you put some, like a quarter in the jukebox. And... Yeah, that one. Yeah. And, and yeah. um, you picked up Beautiful Night and he came out and did Beautiful Night. Oh, yeah. 
I would do that too. I would say, McCartney, you're not going to do any of your biggest hits. You're going to do what I want to hear. <laughs> you're going to sing Big Boys Bickering Live. You're yeah. going to sing Looking for Changes. You're going to sing this one. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> Come on. The cosmically Conscious. That's what I was going to say, actually. Not Come on, people. But anyway. <laughs> uh, well, we've been talking for like an hour and a half. And uh, but it's been a very entertaining but low key show. <laughs> You've even yawned a couple times, <laughs> so I hope everybody else's interest is there. Um, but everybody loves Beatles, which is great. So you know everybody will get something out of this. Um, is there anything you want to plug? You can plug your podcast or anything you're planning on doing, everything you want to do. So and how do people get in contact with you? So the best way to get in contact with me is email. You can email me, Hudson at SoloBeatlesPodcast.com. My website is SoloBeatlesPodcast.com. All one word, no capitals. Um, my biggest interview recently is the one with Brian Ray. As a like the biggest celebrity. <laughs> no offense to anybody else that's appeared on my show. <laughs> Lawrence as well. <laughs> um, no, that's pretty cool. You got uh, all of the people that you've gotten because, you know, when I started my podcast in 2018, I didn't know who I was going to get. It's a lot easier now, but originally it's a <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> um, my podcast, Solo Beatles Podcast, or I Know I Know a Solo Beatles Podcast, can be found on YouTube. Um, don't listen it to it on Spotify, oh, iTunes, <laughs> um, Podbean, Podbay, wherever you can get your podcast except, except Spotify. Um, and uh, you can basically find me on like social media with anything that's Solo Beatles Podcast. Um, is there anything else I should plug? Um, I haven't done any guest appearances. This is like Honestly, the second guest appearance on a podcast I have done in my eternity. Do you plan to write a book like everybody else seems to do or anything like that at some point? Or? Someday, yes. Okay. You don't have to say what um, about or if it is even about the Beatles. I'm just curious if you have that. It will, be about, it will be about the Beatles. Um, <laughs> I have big things in the works which I may have to mention to you off camera. Yeah, I was going to say, don't give out ideas and somebody else snag your book. That's a great uh, idea. I'll write it now. You know? uh, <laughs> then you don't get your book. <laughs> and uh, I don't have any jokes, so yeah. All right. <laughs> well, if there's nothing else, uh, we can wrap it here. And uh, you know, it's a pleasure having you on my show after I was on your show. And we'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, maybe when Paul or Ringo puts out a new album, another fight whether it's a good or bad album <laughs> all right all right so anyway uh thank you again Hudson for being my special guest and that wraps another on ideas podcast thank you for listening and thank you Hudson Randy for being my special guest remember you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube episode number 150 will be coming soon if you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. 
Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.